How are we doing, Mary? Are we doing okay back there? All right, let's pray. Let's go. It's time. O Lord, accept our prayers and hear our supplications and grant that we may heed the call of John the baptizer to prepare the way for your son and then receive him into our hearts that we may be your children. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, good to see you all. You had lots of stuff going on. Uh, if you put some money in the basket, we turn toward Grace Lutheran School now, so... They'll be out to make us pancakes, I think. Somebody knows this, right? They're going to come. What day are they coming out? Second Sunday? First Sunday? January 8th. January 8th. Grace School will be here. Thank you very much. So between now and then, you know, don't slow down. You did a great job with Christmas sharing. Uh, let's see. They sent me, Carol sent me the notes. I think it was, Carol, 136 families, 628 people. Is that right? Right? That was pretty good. So... And it was as fun as it ever, it, it was a breeze, It was because it was so well done and people were so kind. And I kind of like the fact that I've seen people now two or three or four years in a row. So there's sort of this, you're our guest for Christmas once a year. And it's, it's um, you know, sometimes this can be a bit, you know, stilted, the arrangement. And, you know, there's all sorts of things that can weigh in culture and money and, you know. And it's nice when people come back year after year because... You kind of get to know them, and you know you catch up with them, and you can check in on kids, and are they still in school, and where are they going, what are they doing? So it was a really, I just would encourage you if you haven't done it in the past. There's so many people who helped, you know, but if you haven't done it in the past, you know, come home, even if you're standing around talking to people. Now that that right there, we're trying to figure that out. So now the thing has moved behind me today. I don't exactly know. John said move left, so I'm going to move left and. That was pretty cool. It did it right when I moved left. All right. So, well, we're going to talk about the demonic today. So that's one possibility as well. <laughs> so throw some money in the basket and it'll go to Grace School. Um, be generous toward them. It's a really, really great thing. So thank you for Christmas sharing. As always, it was stunningly great. And Carol will uh, give us a full rundown as she always does after she rests a little bit. So you look at for that in a couple of weeks. Um, so gr- that was great. Grace School will be great to be generous with that. You'll see the list appear of things to bring. Kids will be out. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so come for breakfast then that first first Sunday in January. Come for breakfast. The kids will be out here with their teachers. It's really nice. We tell them they don't have to do it. They actually want to do it because it gets everybody here, and we sort of, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice thing. So, all right. Um, tend Christmas, you know. Uh, remember the schedule that it'll be two times on Saturday, Christmas Eve, just one time on Sunday, Christmas Day. And then this is the last Bible study for this year. We'll come back. I haven't looked at the schedule. I'm presuming it's the following week then. So if it's 8, it would be 15. We'll be back. We'll see you back here on the 15th. Do we have something on the 15th, anybody? No? We back at it, 15th? It's so far away, that's like another world to think about the 15th of January. So. So anyway, no Bible study here next week, okay? So what else? Anybody got anything else we should talk about or do? Yes, please. This Friday, the same people who played before service and during service last week, those young kids who were so genius, will be back to play what time? 7 o'clock? 7.30? Because there's a preschool thing that night too, so if you come to the preschool thing, you can just stay on for the next thing. But that should be very nice. So Friday night there is a, a nice concert here too. Anything else that we should be thinking about? Anybody? Yeah, today on Wednesday, what's for dinner, Gretchen? The barbecue truck. Yes, he's very, very popular. It's like taking your friends out to dinner, right? 
So let's see, Wednesday night. So come for, I'm seriously, seriously come. It's going to be so great. Come, come for dinner. It's so, so good. Uh, and stay for, stay for Jesus. So um, six to seven is be dinner, right? We'll be all ready to go. The people have been serving. It'll be great. Thank you very much for taking charge of that and, and um, you know, working on it hard. So that'll be good. All right, anything else we got to think about? Otherwise, you know, just keep going. Um, the holidays are, are great. They can sometimes be stressful. Try to let them be great instead of being stressful, okay? It's a very nice time of year. I'm really not doing anything. I did move left. When I moved left, I it did it over here. So we're trying to figure it out. I, we're not quite sure what it is. Don't move. Stay here. Don't move forward. Okay. Wait, now I got it. Thank you. All right, so um, Betsy brought her bulletin, I think, to shame me. So here it is, because, you know, we we're half the year in, but only, um, only this far we've gone in the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and all things visible and invisible. So we're three lines in. Never fear, we only have this much left to do. For, yeah. But um, see, you're going to regret the fact that you made me stay with my outlines, because they just keep coming. So here we are. How do we get here? So God is... God is almighty. But that's not necessarily good news, uh, unless it's in proper context. So God is ruler over all things. But Luther, of course, you know, it's not that God is there. It's whether God is there for you, right? So it doesn't, that whether God's there or not there, that's not the issue. It's whether God is for you or against you. So um, God's a person, and he's related to you just like you're a person. He's related to you as your father because you have Jesus as your brother and you share their spirit, right? So now we're getting closer. And then this same God is maker and creator of everything. And so in Hebrew, when they want to say everything, they say heaven and earth. When they want to say everything in Greek, they say visible and invisible, and the creed says both. Just to make sure that you understand how the cosmos is um, created, right? So God above and beyond the cosmos, and we've talked about you know, God being outside the box. God above and beyond loves everything into existence, and that's the proper way to talk about it. In himself, God is complete, and yet when you're there, or creation is there, the beauty of creation, there's more to love. You as a person, there's more to love. If you're not here, the world is a poorer place. If you're not in heaven, heaven is a poorer place for eternity. And so the impetus of the church to bring all God's children home again. And that is done by way of love. You start in love, you finish in eternal love, right? So um, today, you know, I haven't, you, you notice I've been skirting around to things that maybe don't get as much attention. Um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the angels, okay? Now, and I stole this um, very uh, poignant, I think. Consider the angels are invisible allies. And I gave you a uh, uh, it's one of the things I watched or read this week, and I thought, you know, it's a, it's a great title. If you can start to think about the angels as your, as your allies, right? Not just that they're there. I mean, partly is to convince you that the room is filled with angels, but also that they are your allies. You know, allies to Jesus, allies to you. It's very important to think that way because it should um, bring your stress level down a little bit, and it, 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 it's an expression of one more way that God loves you. So we'll just talk about that. But listen to this glorious prayer. This is our prayer now. Um, This is for St. Michael and all angels. Everlasting God, you've ordained and constituted the service of angels and men in a wonderful order. 
Mercifully grant that as your holy angels always serve and worship you in heaven, so by your appointment they may also help and defend us here on earth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. That's a glorious thing. Among the ways that God loved us was to create the angels. And though angels are superior to us, God puts them into our service. So turn the page and you'll you know, find one of the most glorious places in the world. Um, this is one dome from St. Mark's in Venice. This is just, you know, if I could, I could, I'd be happy to be buried right next to St. Mark's in this cathedral. This is a glorious, glorious place, right? Some of you have been there. I tried to keep it in color, make it a little smaller. Of course, it goes out. There's 25 scenes in this whole thing. But it is the most glorious thing. So given to help us, the angels often go ignored. We frankly don't talk about angels enough. We should probably do a little better job of that. You know, we sort of nod to it, but that you have the constant presence of an angel. And I think this is another place where Lutherans often err. You know, we, so we get afraid because Catholics or Orthodox believe in it, so we just sort of ignore it. Well, we impoverish ourselves so much when we do that, right? That wasn't the point of the Reformation. The Reformation was to clean up a few things that went bad. The point of the Reformation was not to jettison anything that anybody else really held dear. And among them are the angels. So what does it mean that the universe, the cosmos, that your world is bigger than what you see with the naked eye. What does that mean? That I believe in everything visible and invisible. This is the world in which I live. You say it every, every week, right? And yet, what does that really mean? So let's have a go. Um, like us, the angels are creatures, so they're made in creation. They are without number. There's an infinite number, apparently, or nobody at least numbers them for us. And the weird thing is, um, they witness creation. So if I said to you, okay, look at this dome. Can you see kind of right at the bottom at 6 o'clock? There's the spirit brooding over the waters, right? Tohu wabohu, formless and void, right? Formless and void. Um, there, 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 there he is. Now, I, if I just said to you, what's weird about this? You sort of know the story of creation, right? And you can see it there. You know, there's a... There's evening and morning, there's the sun and the moon and the stars, there's the waters get separated, heaven and earth and dry land appears. You know how this goes. But as you look at this, if you kind of think about the, the, the creation story in this particular thing, moves out from the center. Do you notice anything weird about this? What? Who are all those people? Well, look at how, look at how, look at how many people there are. So if you just go just to the right of that of where the Holy Spirit. So there's the Holy Spirit. He has a nimbus, right? So it's gold around his head to show divinity, right? Or holiness. Just to the right. Now you're going to need your magnifying glass. I, the thing is, if I make it bigger, then I lose, you know, kind of the... But when you go home, get out your magnifying glass. You will see who is that, who is that standing there next to that angel. Who's, who is that? Or next to that spirit. Who is that? Can you tell? Anybody? Guess? Yeah, it is Jesus, and it's Jesus without a beard. So it's Jesus with a young man, young Jesus. So kind of gives you perspective. This is a beginning. Can you tell what he's got in his hand? It's very hard. He already has in his hand a scepter shaped like a cross, right? If you, if you Google this up or take a look at it, you can find it. It's the Dome of Creation uh, in the narthex of St. Saint, Mark's in Venice. It's just uh, for somebody I have stored up, you know, for somebody I have stored up, uh, 
I think I know who it'll be, a funeral sermon in the dome above, in the Duomo in Florence. You see up above, there's, you know how you see the Grim Reaper always with a big beard? In the, above, the, above the altar, the main altar in the dome of, uh, in the Duomo in Venice, in the cathedral in Venice, I'm sorry, in the cathedral in Florence, the Grim Reaper is taking his sickle and breaking it over his leg. It's the most interesting, so death is sort of defeated. It's so interesting how all these things were meant to teach us, right? And so you couldn't help but, you know, look up and say, oh, the angels are everywhere. Look at them, just the sheer number of angels. So if you just sort of track this story, right, the first people are day six, Adam, and then later Eve. Holy cow, by the time you start winding out, look at all the people in white. You, know, you couldn't look at this without saying the angels are everywhere. And that's the sense that they want to give you, that Jesus, who is... Um, without whom nothing was made that was made, as John's Gospel says, right? That Jesus, as the agent of creation, so the Father, of course, is the creator, but the, he creates through the Son. And so, you know, it's like Jesus is the project manager, right? So he's got his, he's good to go. Um, and, and, and there he is with angels everywhere. So just sort of tuck that away. This is not a new thing. People from forever have said, oh, yeah, the angels are everywhere, Okay, so flip the page. The angels are meant to serve Christ who is head over all things. Even when he comes, and it says, it says in Hebrews, he works below them for just a little while. So it basically goes like this. It goes, um, well, and see, now people disagree about this, and you have, to, you have to think about this in the right way. In some sense, we always speak of Jesus as, I'm sorry, in some sense, we always speak of humans as the pinnacle of creation. Uh, in the likeness and image of God, as it says in Genesis. So we speak of human beings as, and yet there is this sense that the angels are superior to us in very real ways, in intelligence, for example, and in strength. And and that goes across everything they've got, um, across will, uh, across physical power. We have to talk about that a little bit. But there is a sense that... um, even though the angels are better than us in many ways, that still human beings are the pinnacle of creation. Um, have you got a guess on how that might have happened? If you're just going to guess on why people might talk that way, why do you think? So what's the, what's the greatest way that God has honored you as a human being? What would you say? Uh, good. Now, more... Um, more tangible, physical, yes, free will, because the angels have free will too, interestingly, right? What? Yeah, incarnation. And so even though you might have different schemes of, some schemes that goes God and the angels and us, um, and other schemes that goes God, us, the angels, kind of the, the coup de grace is that Jesus takes flesh. And whether you start at the beginning or you take it at Christmas time. The whole notion that the ultimate affirmation of you is that Jesus will take flesh and elevates what it is to be a human being is a remarkable compliment and act of love toward you. So it's um, Jesus who's head over all things, and then for a while he works below them. But part of what you have to think about is that angels are normal. We, see, we, it's, this is just so weird, and part of it has to do with the fact that when angels show up and that we can actually see them, they frighten us, and you, you see that in several places. Mary, frankly, in the Christmas story is about as calm as it gets. 
which might go to her pure-heartedness, right? But when angels appear quite regularly, people fall face down and they're just undone. Well, I mean, this makes sense. On the other hand, this room is filled with angels, right? Your home, you know, is filled with angels unless you've chased them away. The sanctuary is filled with angels. Angels are normal. They're a normal part of the creation, visible and invisible. It's just like, sure, everybody knows this, visible and invisible. Angels are everywhere, right? And we get so, you know, sometimes as Lutherans, you know, we argue about whether or not we have a guardian angel. That, That is foreign to the history of the church and most everybody else who's a Christian, right? It's just kind of presumed that when Jesus says, these little ones each have an angel who behold the face of God, you're like, So why is it? Oh, yeah, because they're Catholics, so therefore let's not believe in that. What? Right? It just is so, it's just so weird. So partly what I hope that you'll do it, invisible, visible and invisible, is it'll normalize your relationship with the angels. Because they would be a little, I think, off-put by the fact that you don't recognize them as part of the cosmos. Right? Come on, they're all over the dome. It must be true. So um, not only are there, is it normal to have them there, they, the angels are used for your salvation, right? They're agents of your salvation in the way, if you will, the prophets are agents of your salvation. St. Mary is an agent of your salvation, right? Um, angels are given this dynamic role. Look at this is Hebrews 1. And to which of the angels is, you know, there's this great contrast between Jesus and angels. What the guy in Hebrews, we've done this, right? We did this last year. He tries to set Jesus up as the son of the father, beyond, you know, of another sort, right? So it goes, father, son, and Holy Spirit, then angels and earth. Or, so what, and to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand, and I will make your enemies a footstool under your feet? And here it is. Are they not all serving spirits, deaconesses? Are they not all ministering spirits? You didn't even budge, Betsy. I thought, really, I might just check. You're thinking about what? You're thinking about the spread on the Bears game today? What are you thinking about? And they are not all, are they not all, you know, ministering spirits sent out to serve, right? So they're active in your salvation. For the sake of those, that would be you. So aren't the angels set to serve you who are meant to inherit salvation, right? So the angels are your companions along the way. And they, they're always sort of watching out for you and bumping and nudging you and helping you. Yes, Bruce? We're, are we going to talk about the bad angels? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about angels. Actually. We might. <laughs> First, I want you, you've got your arm around your guardian angel right there. Just lean over and give him a little kiss on the cheek, and then we'll get to the bad angel. See, I, this is a test for whether you're an unbeliever or a believer. All right, huh? We'll, we'll come to it. All right. So um, what I want you to do is not just think of angels as being there. I want you to think of angels as being here, right? Angels aren't just somewhere else. I mean, the scriptures are pretty clear. The ministering spirits, they walk you back to Eden. That's basically what they do. That's, that's, that's part of what they do. A large part of what they do is to protect you, okay? You still good? All right, this is five. Unlike us, angels are spirits. So, sorry to disappoint you, but a wonderful life gets it all wrong. And so do people on the news when they say, you know, when somebody dear to them dies, you know, I guess God needed another angel. You might as well say, you know, I guess God needed another cat. 
You know, I mean, it doesn't. No, it's the same. It's the same. People don't turn into another species. You don't turn into another thing. That's not what happens, right? People are people. And, you know, it's just, it's, I, I know what people are saying. They're trying to say, this person was dear to me and we, we want them to be with God. But, you know, the, the part of the problem is, is you're sort of, you're sort of, you're giving short shrift to the resurrection of the body, right? So angels stay angels, good and evil. Um, human beings stay human beings, but you come resurrected in the way that Paul says, we, don't, we do not know yet what we will be, right? Or the way that when people saw Jesus after Easter, they didn't quite recognize him. There's, there's something about him, right? He's, he's, when he finally talks to them or tells them the answer, then they're like, oh, yeah, it's you. So there's some change, but not some change, okay? So unlike us, angels are spirits. They're not um, human beings. You don't transition into something else. You know, you can argue and read a lot about, people have written a lot about the angels in the past, and it gets very technical very fast, um, especially because the philosophical categories change over the centuries, just as it does with Christ. But sort of the biggest thing for us to remember is that they're immaterial, so they're not made of physical stuff, you know, not flesh, even though they can appear temporarily in the flesh. But they're not made of stuff, so they don't take up space. And generally, you can't see them, because stuff is what you see. So, for example, when you look at me, you can't see my soul, although I promise you it's there, right? So my soul is invisible. My spirit is invisible. Angels are spirits. They don't have stuff, okay? So, for example, they don't age or change or die. And in a moment, uh, you know, here's the other thing. Um, They're not limited by their stuff. So, one of the things is that, that angels aren't limited by the five senses. So, for example, you're limited by your ability to see. Like, you can see only, you know, about so far, right? You can only hear, you know, about something that's happened about so far away. Well, angels aren't limited in this way because they don't depend on their five senses. So we have limitations as human beings, aging, for example, or hearing, right? Senses, our senses, this doesn't doesn't happen. This is, you know, just kind of to go to Bruce's point, um, this is a glorious reason why, you know, angels deserve your trust, like, just hear this in the right way. Not trust in terms of the, the, for your salvation. Your trust is in Christ. But the way you trust a friend who's going to help you. So your angel can, knows more, right? Sees more. Is stronger. In the same way, this is exactly why you never meddle with things that are demonic. Because evil angels, wicked angels, know more. Right? They see more. Um, they have information that they've you know, stolen or gotten illicitly. Or sometime that is bent to there. So you don't sort of you don't sort of mess with things that have gone badly. But in a good angel, your guardian angel, you rejoice like crazy, right? And we do this occasionally. Christmas, everybody's going to love the angels on Christmas, and then we're going to forget about them until about Easter. And then we're not quite sure what to think about those angels, and then we just kind of forget about them after that. Well, you know what? You should you know at least at the very least wake up and say thank you to Jesus for the angels that surround you. Because it's, it's, it's wonderful stuff. So their angels are smart and free. This is point six. But not independent. They are created in holiness. They have intelligence. So they have intelligence. Intelligence normally you just shorthand it to you. You can see. You can see things. You can think about things. You see. Intelligence sees. Uses your faculties to see. And your will chooses. So they have an intelligence, they have a will, and you can read either about Luke 6 where they see Jesus and they love him, 
and they, they say, yes, that's great, or Jude 6, where it says, the evil angels who chose to follow Satan are chained in hell forever, right? So they do, in fact, have a free will. Dennis was talking about this. They do have a free will, um, and like you, they can throw away what they've been given. Now, seven, I didn't quite know how to talk about this. Superhuman almost goes to superhero, and that, that isn't quite right. Uh, but what I wanted to suggest to you is that they're, they're more than you in some ways, okay? So they have strength and power and abilities that are superior to yours. And you can sort of read through the scriptures. I didn't print all these out because it was getting long the way it was already. But they do have strength and power and abilities that are superior to yours. So, and I gave you the example of intelligence and will. They're not limited by your senses. So they have strength beyond your strength. They have intelligence beyond your intelligence. Um, this is you welcome the goodness in them then, but you're also very, very careful not to touch anything that's demonic. So, you know, touch holy things, don't touch evil things. Why? Human beings, I mean, the, the hubris in human beings, to think that we can touch, you know, for example, an evil angel and survive that experience or control that experience. This is the basic way that, how does magic work? You know, all the stuff you kind of know from Disney films about magic is, you know, it's like, it's sort of true. You know, why do you cast a spell? What is an incantation? It's words learned the hard way over centuries that bind the angels, usually by use of their name, right? Bind the wicked angels. Now, of course, what happens then, or even Satan, you know, of course, what happens is that when you, it's the first time you make a mistake, you stutter, you stumble, the relationship is reversed, and you are taken captive or possessed, right? This is why you don't mess around with stuff. Um, you, you embrace the good and you flee the evil. That's what James says. We'll get to this later, but flee, flee, flee. Don't even consider touch, talk to, get near what is evil because that will eat you alive. Okay? So, um, without a body, and this is the weird part, and this might be the hardest thing for you to, without a body, they can still act on bodies. Right? And it, it comes at least in a couple of ways. Um, there can be the suggestion to you of good, or, you know, like, you know, angels can move a rock, for example. That's weird, right? I mean, how can... How can I guess maybe the closest thing we have to something like that with invisibility would be sound. You know, we can't see sound generally, but you can, um, you know, get ultrasound to shatter your kidney stone, for example, right? You can break things with sound. Or you remember a few years ago when I was trying to convince you about the, the power of sound, these new weapons that have been invented where you can, you can shoot it over Jimmy Williams' left shoulder, hit the vicar, with this capsule of sound, you know, enough that you can make him ill or even break his bones. Or there was a movie, I remember that there was a movie, there was what horror movie was, or a, it was kind of a, well, I mean, it was, wasn't an exact horror genre, but part of it was to have the subwoofer set so low and so rumbly that people gave, began to vomit during the, during the movie. You remember this? Or no? You, know, you can react to sound in such a way that it physically you can't control yourself. Well, to, to say that an angel who is a spirit, right, or who's invisible, can act on visible things. We, are, we know this in our own experience. You just amplify that, right? So it can work in a couple of ways. Um, you know, an angel can speak to you for good or for ill. 
you know, an angel can work on you. This is why things, you know, on the far outside, which you shouldn't think about much, can, you know, kind of fly through a room. Or, uh, you know, angels can move things around. It's, it's difficult to explain but because it's not in our ken. But we have analogies, at least, for how, how things work. Okay? Now, we know this, and we confess this in... We confess this in the, when we say, the devil of the world, our flesh, Lutherans like just reflexively say this. Where does this come from? The devil, the world, the flesh. You know, people say to other people, parents say to kids, that's the devil talking to you. Now, just kind of, just kind of parse that, you know, that the devil is talking to you. What exactly does that mean? Well, you know, what does it mean to have a spirit talk to you? In some ways, they can actually, What? You know, how does it come? Does it come through your eardrum? Does it come directly? How do these things work? It's a little bit murky, but even as a Lutheran, if you believe the catechism, you confess, confess, confess that. Whenever you confess the action of Satan in the world, you're confessing the action of an angel on you, on your intelligence, on your reason, on your body. That's what you're, that's what you're doing. We'll get to this but very mildly later because I don't want you to dwell on it, but the whole notion of somebody who's possessed, these very rare cases where people are possessed by a spirit, but the spirit animates them in usually a violent or contorted sort of way, right? So I just kind of want to put that out there. Kind of remember, even though they're invisible and they don't have bodies, they still can act on stuff. You still with me? You all okay with this? Okay? This is the world in which you live. So, you know, welcome it and pay attention to it. Even without a body, they can act for good or ill. For good, when they aid us or save us or advance us. Oh, it's actually the next thing here. So, sidebar, I, don't wanna, I, I give you this because, like so many things, you know, I want you to be intelligent, and I don't want you to be surprised. So when you walk in and you see things, you know, you see six candles on an altar, and you go, six isn't a good number, and you see the crucifix in the middle, and you go, there makes seven. The crucifix is Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. You know, I want you to be an intelligent, you know, consumer. I want you to be able to walk through life and recognize when you look up at a dome that you can say, oh, look at that, and the reason for this is, and, and how things work, right? Well, generally, and we don't talk about this much, but when, when angels go bad and evil is used against you, there's usually kind of classically four ways that people talk about this. Now, um, I don't want you to fix on this. I just want you to know it so that you can, if somebody talks to you, you kind of know what you're talking about. So in general, we can talk about possession, which is internal, so this is inside out. So the spirit actually enters you and takes control of you. It's internal and direct and physical and occasionally violent. This is like the classic exorcist kind of movie stuff, right? So that's, but that's just one way that um, evil angels can be active. There are other ones. And this is, see, this is, we lost all of this when we lost going to private confession. And we substituted only having a psychiatrist, which only goes to then your mind, but not your soul. I mean, when Jesus talks about my, mind, uh, uh, um, soul, and, and body, you have, a, you have an MD for your body, and you have a psychiatrist for your mind, completely legit. But you had a, you had a pastor for your soul. And so the pastor is the one that cares for this part. But when we lost the notion that we would go to confession, or that we could sort of take a look at how different sins appear and how people are given to different sins and how different sins attack us and different weaknesses and strength. We sort of lost all of that when we just sort of said, there's one big lump of sin and Jesus forgives it. 
That, in fact, is very true. The problem is people suffer in all different ways. You all struggle with very, very different things. And in the old days, when a pastor was seen as one who cures souls, this was especially. Now you go through seminary and you hardly, you hardly get this much. You know, just get out there, boy, and have a go. Well, you know, we should pause, right? Because the world has a... Yes, friend? Your guardian angel appeared next to you. Although it's wise not to have your arm around her. Yes. Next line. So for evil in possession, this is eternal, direct, and physical, okay? Occasionally violent and frightening. That's the very rare case. And even in canon law, that's the last thing that happens. You don't sort of launch yourself into an exorcism. If people show all kinds of weirdnesses, you say, go see your doctor and go see your psychiatrist. And if they, give you the, if they can't explain it or change it, then you can come and see us. So usually, I think I'm working from memory, but I think a bishop has to approve an exorcism so that people don't just launch. I've told you this before, but there was this, once Mother Teresa went to the hospital and sort of the local priest came in and did an exorcism exorcism honor, and people were horrified by that, right? Because they're like, that was a bit out of line. You know, nobody really moved you to that point. It's a little bit of overstepping your bounds. Christian with the Holy Spirit, and that the devil, uh, the master, can't take possession of you if you are a Christian. I lean this way, too. All the Christians argue about it, just so you know. I would, I would, I would have very. It's very difficult for me to understand how you can have um, two spirits at one point. Although Christians argue about it and disagree about it, just so you know. Okay, yeah. So you baptized have the Holy Spirit in you. You would only be in danger of things. Usually, real honestly, when I was at Cambridge, the tutor there, who was this, you know, very strong, hard-nosed, lovable. You know, six foot five, 280 pounds, completely blind Australian. When he would walk through church, mothers would grab their children away because they would fall like soccer balls in front of him. And he wouldn't actually know what hit him because he couldn't see anything. Um, they only knew this because he was driving through traffic one day and he ran through and cars were coming from both directions. Everybody grabbed on. They said, look out for the cars. And he said, what cars? So, um, you know. Anyway, you know, he, he, I, I was in his study once, and I, you, you know, what you do when you're young is when you get into somebody's study, you immediately go for their books, right, what you can find. And I, you know, grabbed this book off, and he said, you know, that's not for you. So I, I put it back, and he said, well, he said, you're a little older because you're a grad student, you can read it if you want. It's a book of incantations from the Middle Ages. And, but he sort of knew about things, and he paid attention, and we started talking about the demonic. And for him... He said, you know, usually, in, and this is kind of classic when there is demonic activity, he said, there's always a case of somebody's messing around with witchcraft, there's a witch in the neighborhood, there's pornography involved, there's sexual abuse involved. Almost always when evil falls, it's because somebody's engaged it, which should, in a backhanded way, give you a lot of comfort. So how do, what's, the, what's the defense against that? You go to the Eucharist every day or every week, right? You say your prayers, you know, you... You, um, you beg for forgiveness. You don't touch evil things that can, you know. Because the thing is, it gets murky. You know, how exactly you're going to be attacked is not going to be the same that, the way that I'm attacked, okay? And the way that you're going to be preserved is not the same way that I'm going to be preserved, okay? And this is, I just want to tell you this. If I, I've said this two or three times. I want to say it again. This is exceedingly rare. You know, it's what gets all the plays because you buy tickets and 
watch movies about it, but garden variety evil, where we just gossip or steal or hate, is much more prevalent. Okay? So you're right. You do have kind of the localized things here, which is, um, you know, I would get, you can ask the vicar afterwards. We won't embarrass him and ask him, but you knew this and he didn't because he hasn't gotten it and he's not going to get it, right? But the, so, so possession, if you just sort of, is from inside out. Like this is, that's full blast spirit inside you and you can't control yourself and occasionally you lash out in crazy ways. This is how, you know, the classic things of levitation, speaking other language, superhuman strength. I, had, I did have a guy at the seminary uh, who was both a therapist and, um, and a pastor and he was called to see a guy at a, a mental hospital where the guy was completely bound and behind this four-inch thick oak door, and they sort of said, you know, we've had a go at him. Why don't you see? He was, he was one of his members or shirt tail, something or other, and he sort of looked in the door, and, you know, he said, yeah, is this the guy? Yeah, that's our guy. All of a sudden, this guy shatters the door, this oak door. Then he goes, hey, pastor, how you doing? See, that's not the call you really want to make. That's the call you send the vicar on, right? <laughs> Where'd he go? What happened to him? <laughs> Holy cow, okay. Well, at least you won't know what's coming. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's one possibility. But now, the next two are a little, are a little more interesting. Um, obsession and depression. And the, the difference of these are they're external. One is mental and one is physical. Now, again, and this is why sometimes, so for example, we've, I've run this, Bonhoeffer um, margin comment from time to time where he talks about depression being a sin. We have to be, this is really careful because what happens is if you have somebody who suffers from depression and then you pile on top of them and say, and that makes you a damn sinner too, by the way. You know, you want to make depressed people more depressed? Go at it in that way. However, um, this gets complicated so fast. This is going to be the way out, so I'm going to give you the way out in advance. When we talk about the devil, the world, and our flesh, for many of the things we suffer, we actually, so there's some things you do that you suffer. If you drink too much and your liver goes bad, if you sleep around and get HIV, you know, we love you, but we know what happened, right? But sometimes things happen to you and you're like, what? Right? And then your next question is often, where? where? Well, the catechism sort of gives you the devil, the world, and our flesh, the problem is they all kind of look the same. And you often don't know whether it's the devil, the world, your flesh. And sometimes you get to the end of it. The treatment is the same, but you actually don't know where it's coming from. Sometimes you can figure it out. You know, if you're addicted to pornography, things are going to go south, and we're, it's pretty easy to say, yeah, that and then this. But if you get hit by a car, it's just not that easy. Some days it's just because it's snowy, right? So it's important to, I'm just going to give you these just for you. Uh, the reason I'm giving you this is so you know it, and if somebody talks about it, um, you know, you get it. But just, just be careful. This is, like the, this is like the, you know, 97th percentile stuff. So obsession is from the outside. You get a mental or emotional disruption, right? So it's, it's, it's an angel working on you, an e or Satan working on you in a way that you have emotional distress, Right? So, for example, let me just, let me just give you an example. Um, if, you have, if you worry about your children or maybe your parents uh, excessively, right? 
This isn't good for a range of reasons. One is, the greatest reason is that Jesus cares for them and those that they belong to Jesus before they belong to you. And another reason is, is that they're surrounded by angels who protect them. And um, another reason is you need to keep your concern within your vocation. So, for example, a father's concern for his children has boundaries. And, and you know, or a mother's concern for her children has there's limits because there's limits to what your vocation suggests that you might do as a mother. There's some things, frankly, you can't control as a parent, right? And yet sometimes this other voice that talks to you, you're not good enough, there must be more, you should be more worried, isn't what about this, how could this come? Where does that come from? Often I don't know where it's from, right? It's very difficult to say where it comes from. And yet it's a real thing. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about here. And whether that anxiety, you know, is internal, my terrible, horrible heart, or whether it's external, you know, and it's difficult too, because how is it that a spirit actually suggests, how does one intelligence suggest to my intelligence when this intelligence doesn't have a tongue and appear next to me? Right? These are all sort of interesting questions. In a way, it doesn't matter, because we actually know the answer. But to at least kind of understand and think about it, it sort of tells you how the way the world is composed. What I don't want you to go home and do is, you know, if you suffer from anxiety or if you suffer from depression or if you're a bit compulsive about things, you suddenly now worry that you have this demon who is stuck to you like glue. Right? That's not what I'm suggesting. All I'm trying to do is suggest to you how the church has understood this through the years. And frankly, this is what Lutherans mean, at least when they say the devil, the world in our flesh, you know, this is the devil option. But the same thing could be suggested to you by the world, right, or um, by your own flesh. Sometimes hard to tell. You good? So I want you to understand it, but not get it. So, so for, for obsession, this is external and mental. You become obsessed with something. Or oppression, and this might be easier. I mean, sometimes, and you know, the weird thing is, is we don't do very, we still don't do very well with mental illness. And we still often, you know, if people have mental illness, they often feel guilty. If you have cancer, I mean, if you suddenly have cancer, nobody sort of, yeah, you get cancer. Everybody gets cancer, right? All men will die of prostate cancer if they live long enough, right? If you just live long enough, you'll die of prostate cancer. That'll be it. Okay, here's the thing. If you die of cancer, nobody says, what's up with that? But see, with mental illness, we're like, what's up with that? Well, what's up with that is, you know, you get sick with, your brain gets sick, your mind gets sick the same way your lungs get sick, right? It's not a thing. It's just the way it is. What I would suggest to you, though, is this notion of oppression. I just, I'll just pose this to you. I, I think many of you have probably had this experience of kind of weightiness or just too much, and often from the outside. It's just too much. It was too painful, right? You actually and sometimes can have physical pain as the result of that darkness that presses on you, right? It's like that. Um, but if you, you know, what, what the pastor shouldn't say, or any of your friends, see, the, the evangelical sort of Wheaton-esque answer to this is, if you're sick, you should just be a better person, or, and you wouldn't have gotten sick if you were a better person. Hogwash, right? Because even as Paul said, you tell me, when Paul said, I had a thorn in the flesh, and I prayed three times that God would take it away, and he didn't take it away. You tell me, was that the devil, the world, or flesh? Which one was it? I think the jury might still be out. You'll have to ask them when you get to heaven. Right? 
So in the same way, you should just recognize this. And the last one, just because this is a good place to close up, is infestation, which is I did know a family once who traded around a piece of furniture. Um, they traded around for a couple of generations. And for four generations, whoever had this piece of furniture, stuff in their house just went completely to hell. Now, you didn't have to go to pastor school to give the advice that I gave next, which was what? Yeah, yeah when it's your turn, don't take it, right? I mean, but this is, you know, sort of the generic haunted house thing, right? That spirits can inhabit a place, right? Or you, I, you can see it too when every, a couple of times, a couple of times, um, I've run you the thing about the power of the Sargus, the seal that you get in baptism, and gave you examples from the church fathers. You remember these, where the guys were in the baths, they would, the demons would come to the baths at night, and, you know, the, this saint comes and says, I want to take a bath, and they're like, you know, we lock the door because everybody who goes in there after dark is destroyed. He's like, so he goes in, and you remember they stood outside the door. We run this margin comment. They stood outside the door, and they sound, they could hear, you know, the demons screeching. They said it sounded like gladiators fighting inside, and one of them finally mustered up the, you know, the, 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 um, the strength to look through the keyhole, and the dude is just sitting there in the water, like head back, kind of relaxed. And, you know, they're marveling at this. Why does he survive? Because he was baptized. And i got to leave you with that because that's, even though you know this, I mean, here's the thing. Even though evil is powerful, it's controlled. It's subject to the will of God. Good angels are subject to bad angels. You can read all the stories. You can take this with you. Yes, there is warfare. Yes, it is difficult. Yes, the, the, the cosmos is in turmoil until a day when it's not, right? Until a day when the Lord sorts it all out. So you need to know these things. Primarily, you know these things, one, so you don't, 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 don't touch it. And two, you know, if you bump into it, you're not sort of floored by it. Even though when people bump into angels, all through the scriptures, they're normally floored by it, Right? Last thing I want to say to you is this: all four of those things are terribly uncommon, right? The normal way that you're attacked is fudging the truth, being miserly, right? Having an idol, the sermon this morning, letting something else get up next to God almost on the same plane, right? The normal way that you're attacked is being envious, Right? Somebody has something and you want it and you can't be happy for them. You have to be sad for them and maybe even undercut them. Right? Or to gossip about somebody. Those are the normal ways. And those things are just as deadly and just as, just as dangerous. Now the good news is, is that God has these ministering servants that come to you, that push you on your way. You have a guardian angel who stands by you and protects you, who sort of shepherds you in the right direction. Um, I'm just the last thing. I mean, there's so much to talk about here, but then you can see why traditions then have Prayers to guardian angels, the way I would talk to Betsy, who may in fact be my guardian angel in the flesh, who knows, right? But you know, the way you would talk to Betsy, you talk to your guardian angel. This isn't quite as weird as you think. And also, you know, the whole notion of what, what we're always worried about, about with, you know, angels and saints is that they replace Jesus. But you really have to give a good think to what the community looks like when heaven and earth are connected. And if the place is filled with angels and they're walking beside you, it wouldn't kill you occasionally to say thank you, right? Which is not praying, but it is recognition of, you know? Wow. 
I hope this doesn't get all the way to the home office. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, I'll see you after Christmas. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.